guys, what's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today. My name is Matthew Spazitti and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazitti program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. Uh, if you guys are joining me for the very first time today, first and foremost, I want to say thank you. I would like to invite you guys to take the 10 episode challenge where you go back and it's exactly how it sounds. You go back, you listen to the last 10 episodes. The reason I ask you to do this is I think there's a lot of value back there and I think you're going to get the most out of this podcast if you go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. And I'm also going to be referencing stuff from the past episodes that you guys just aren't going to be aware of if you don't go back and you listen to those episodes. So I highly encourage you guys to do that. I think you'll get the best value out of the podcast. All right. And last but not least, if you guys are loving what I'm doing here, you're absolutely enjoying it, then please go leave me a rating and review on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, that's one of the best ways so you guys can ultimately support the show. You know, when you guys go and you leave me a rating review, it helps to get my show on the map with regards to iTunes podcast rankings and stuff of that nature. So it really, really helps the show to become more visual and uh, to get in the eyes of more and more people. So if you guys really, really like what I'm doing here, then please go give me a rating and review on iTunes. All right. So that said, we're going to actually do another another episode kind of on the same lines as the last one that we did where we we talked about the Great Reset and ultimately the, the what's really behind it, what the desires really are and, and whatnot. And that was a pretty great episode. If you guys are really, you know, wanting to understand more about the Great Reset, we actually ended up reading two really great articles on it. And I thought it was very, very good personally. So go back and check that out. That was the most recent episode, episode 67. And today I do have an article here. Uh, it's a very short one. It's by fee.org. That was written by Zilvinus Salinas. I, I hope I'm saying his name right. One of the coolest names I think I've ever heard. He's actually Lithuanian. His home country is Lithuania, which he actually states in this article. But by far one of the coolest names that I, I've ever heard, though. But really, really, really good article. It was posted literally today on December 3rd. So that'll give you guys some indication of when I'm actually recording this. At the Foundation of Economic Education. All right. So, but, you know, ultimately, guys, what the article is going to be about is how socialists tried to breed out the desire of freedom. I wanted to talk a little bit about that before we dive into the article. In the last episode, we talked in The Great Reset how ultimately the idea of transhumanism, where you're kind of merging machines with humans, uh, the, the whole idea behind that is largely one of statists that want to effectively take out your desire for freedom and liberty. They want to control you. And I kind of go in on that episode and, and, and largely just kind of dive deep and kind of explain that this is largely not nothing new to humanity. It's not like there's something different and more sinister and evil about the 21st century humans than there was about, you know, the 20th century or even farther back than that. You know, largely the 21st century humans are no different than all the other humans that have ever lived <laughs> all throughout humanity. The fact of the matter is that rulers have always wanted to make the citizens more compliant so that they could do whatever it is that they wanted, particularly evil rulers, right? Evil rulers always wanted their citizens to not complain, to not get upset, and they just wanted them to ultimately shut up and just listen to whatever they had to say so they could get away with anything. And, you know, this isn't really, again, it's not really new to, to human history. This is a very, very normal thing that's been going on. However, what is most concerning is that as technology has advanced, there are many people today that believe that we're closer, we're getting to a point where we can be closer and closer 
to actually doing that, to actually controlling humans and taking out their desire for freedom and, and desire for, you know, private property and things of that nature and desire for independence. And that to me, and, and that's kind of the whole idea behind transhumanism, or at least that's why many uh, statists, that's why many individuals who like the idea of central planning and authoritarianism, and they just want people to, to be quiet so they can live like kings and do what they want and, and be completely lawless and immoral, that's why they desire and are interested in the idea of transhumanism in the first place. Transhumanism is largely the idea of fixing things that they say that they believe are problems with humanity. Fixing the the, the human condition, right? Man's fallen and sinful nature. Some people might view this as, you know, fixing humans and making them impervious from disease and things like that. So there might actually be people that actually look at transhumanism as an attempt to make people genuinely better. And, and and they innocently believe this. However, there are many people that do not think of it in that way. They see man's desire for freedom, independence, liberty, private property. They see man's desire for those things as being a, a curse, as being an imperfection of humanity. And they want to get rid of it. And some attempts have actually been made. Actually, before I read this article, I, I'm not surprised. This actually talks about how a scientist in the Soviet Union effectively attempted to breed apes with humans to try and breed out the desire for freedom, just like the title says. How crazy is that? I had no idea. Well, I'm not surprised. I really had no idea that it ever actually been attempted. I mean, if you really think about it, this is an attempt at eugenics, the attempt at believing that there is a superior type of human, which is a social, the socialist man, right? And that ultimately we can breed this human and uh, we can weed out all these ideas that make them uncompliant and ultimately represent a weakness in the fabric of their socialist society. The fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, is while most of human history, okay, has been one of misery and tyranny, the truth is, is that there is, and I think there always will be, an innate desire in just about every single human being to having freedom. Now, this is not as pronounced in everyone uh, across the board. Some people desire it heavily. Some people do not. Some people are more than willing to capitulate, and as long as they can live a relatively comfortable life, they don't care what they got to put up with. And then there are people out there who are not okay with that. And they want a lot of freedom. So there's varying degrees of this. It's always on everything, just like everything else. It's almost always on a spectrum, right? But the fact remains is that I genuinely do believe that the desire for some level of freedom and liberty is absolutely a natural part of humanity. I think that, you know, in all throughout all of human history, again, like I said, it's on a spectrum, right? So, but throughout all of human history, there have been people of all different various levels of, uh, in in society and in any kind of class system, just, there's all different types of people that they want to live their life. They want to live free, which is one of the reasons why communism and socialism does not work. Heck, even the people that are at the top of those systems, the communists and the socialists, the new ruling class that want to enforce cruel, cruel punishment and treatment 
of everyone else. They have a very, very, very lack of respect for the quality of life and the value of life. They don't value life at all. They treat their their own citizens like livestock, like just animals to, to go to the slaughter. They're the most ruthless and terrible and despicable people in the world. And they probably even hate the world. And the, But the fact remains is even they desire certain levels of freedom. They just want to be the only ones that have it. And they want to kill off and brutally control anyone who isn't part of their ruling class. But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, even they desire a certain level of freedom. If they were, if their freedoms were restricted, they would be livid about it. They would be super upset, just like any other person is. They just want to control other people. And the main reason of that is, is largely because the desire for power is... A desire that I, I don't think many people, particularly many people in America, understand. It's not so. It's not always about mo- money. Is power okay? Money is freedom, but money is also power. Money allows you to have influence and power. It allows you to, you know, get your stuff out there. And money. The more money you have, the more power and influence and freedom you possess. That that is the the case. And if you hate money, you're like, oh, I hate money. I just wish we'd go back to a barter system. Okay, well, fine. Whatever is the most popularly traded item in the barter system is money, okay? A mass-adopted medium of exchange. We talked about this in our in my Bitcoin episode not that long ago. So if you're interested in that, go check that one out. But look, money is merely just a mass-adopted medium of exchange. So even if you hate the idea of money, you can't get rid of it. Even if we were, I don't know, go back to trading, you know, goods and services and there was no actual like currency, there would be a for an item that is easily traded and more desirable and everybody trade and it would be mass adopt and that one would be, would be traded more so than anything else. And that would be money. But anyways, that being said, money is power and freedom. Okay. So, but money itself so while it is absolutely desirable, some people, uh, even Thomas Sowell, Thomas Sowell's an absolute amazing economist. I love him dearly. I love all the work that he's done. Really, really great guy. But even and he believed that if you just paid politicians more money, that they would be less inclined to engage in corrupt activities where they were receiving money under the table and things of that nature. And I think he really did not, at least at that time, and I don't know if he's come around on this idea, but I think at that time, you know, at least at the time of writing that, I don't think he really understood that there are some that desire power and it goes beyond simply just money. There are people that desire to force other people to do whatever it is they want them to do because they get a sense of satisfaction, a sense of pleasure out of it. And that's it. I mean, how many of you have had the unfortunate business of being at the end of a power-hungry boss? And there's no reason for them being a, a, a jerk. There's no reason for them, you know, being overly controlling. They just are. And there doesn't appear to be a reason for it. How many of you guys have been in that situation? And you're always wondering, why are they such a jerk? Maybe they're just a miserable person. They want to they basically enforce their misery on everyone else. That's a possibility. 
maybe they're trying too hard and they don't realize how much of a jerk they really are being. Sometimes that that's a possibility. They don't have people around them that are willing to be honest with them and tell them things that they don't want to hear. So they think they're being a great boss. They think they're doing a good job, but in reality, they're just not at all. But there's a lot of people out there who literally, you know, derive some kind of pleasure, some kind of satisfaction by just lording over others, telling them how they want to live, even if they're being irrational, it doesn't matter. In fact, the irrationality of them and their behavior probably only contributes to the pleasure that they get by enforcing their will on somebody else. You see, if they can continually change their mind and continually say, no, that's not what I actually said. That's not what I meant for you to do. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what you told me. To, no, you, 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 you're not. You didn't hear me right. In reality, do they really care? No, because they're, they're switching up their idea. If anything, they might have switched up the idea simply due to the fact that they just wanted to lord it all over you. They just wanted to lord over you, to boss you around, tell you what they think you should do. There are some people out there that power is the ultimate driver for them, for the sake of power. And these people are megalomaniacs, they're usually incredibly narcissistic, and they are very, very evil. So with that said, you know, it can be difficult when you're looking at human history and you're looking at these people, like, why are they being this way? How can they be so evil? And until you understand that it is just part of the fallen nature of humanity. But with that said, though, again, you know, I do believe that every single human being desires certain levels of freedom. And I think that if you take that away, you will never have a society that will be successful. Now, unless there is possibly a way, like in transhumanism, to actually change people by altering them and turning them into cyborgs, like the Borg or something like that out of Star Trek, right? If that was the case, you know, you want to assimilate them. <laughs> if there is a way to do that, then these people are going to go do that. And frankly, I don't even know if I, I believe that something like that is possible. Yeah, right now, some people are saying that it's possible to merge humans with, with machines. And it's like, yeah, okay. First and foremost, I don't know. I, I haven't really done a ton of research on on all of that, that technology that's going. I do know that there's a ton of research going into integrating, you know, machines and, and technology and, and stuff of that nature with people, right? I, I do understand that there is, you know, a lot of research that's going into that rather alarmingly, but I don't know all the ideas behind it of, oh, you could just plug your brain into the computer and upload the knowledge. There's no need for really long and arduous education, things of this nature. I don't know if this type of sci-fi technology, or at least what was previously sci-fi technology, I don't know if it will ever really pan out in the way that humans really want it to. I, I, don't, I don't think it will. I think that attempts will be made and it'll be failures just like the failure in the Soviet Union that this article talks about. So let's go ahead and actually jump into this. Like I said, this is a fee.org article written by Zilvinus Salinas, and it's how socialists tried to breed out the desire for freedom. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Nearly a century ago, a Soviet scientist attempted to crossbreed humans and chimpanzees. Among other things, he was trying to alter humans permanently to get rid of primitive human traits including competitiveness and the desire to own property. It sounds like a horror movie, but sadly, and even more horrifyingly, it is actually true. 
The story was extensively covered by Scientific American and New Scientist. Here's the brief summary of this real-life horror story. Ivanov eventually received $10,000 from the Soviet Financial Commission and his project was approved by the Soviet Academy of Sciences. Ivanov and his son traveled to French Guinea in Western Africa to carry out his artificial insemination experiments in March 1926. He only attempted to inseminate three female chimpanzees before being forced to abandon the project as completely useless. Desperate to make use of his limited funding, Ivanov then made the horrific decision to attempt the insemination of African women with chimpanzee sperm without their knowledge. He made a proposal to doctors at a local hospital about his experiment and was ready to proceed when the general governor of French Guinea, Paul Perret, rejected the plan. You know, it's kind of interesting here that it just, it just shows the lack of, of valuing life. This guy definitely was more than likely a eugenicist to some extent. I mean, seriously, he definitely felt that there were people out there that were superior and there were people that were not. And, I mean, the idea of inseminating African women with chimpanzees or any type of woman with chimpanzees or whatever, that just is beyond the pale. And it just really makes me mad. But it just goes to show you that this idea of eugenics and and believing that there is a superior, that some people are superior to the, than others and the, the lack of empathy and the lack of the ability to legitimately value life is very much uh, a, a, a contributing factor with, these, with a lot of these types of people who try to take control of the world type of thing. But anyways... Ivanov hoped to pursue his experiment again in Russia through the use of women volunteers. However, when word got out that Ivanov had attempted to inseminate African women without their consent, he was condemned by the Soviet Academy of Sciences. An investigation concluded that Ivanov's behavior might undermine the trust of Africans and European researchers and doctors and make problematic any further expeditions of Russian scientists to Africa. Yeah, so basically what they, what they were afraid of was not that it was an immoral experiment. What they were afraid of is that it would threaten how Africans trusted European scientists and researchers. They didn't care what they were trying to do. They just they didn't want to affect that. Why? Because if, if it did undermine the trust, then there was a weakness there and there was a, a, an open door for revolution, for rebellion, for dissent. You see, they abandoned it because it was a threat to their control and their influence over Africa. It's largely what they're saying. They didn't care because it was immoral to try to inseminate apes with peop or people with apes or vice versa. They thought it was immoral because they, they didn't tell anybody about it. I mean, come on. It's, just, it's, it's insanity is what it really is. But again, they were more concerned about the control they had over Africa over Africa and Africans and, and things of that nature. They were more concerned about their influence over there. And they didn't want it to undermine further projects or further uh, other things that they, they may have been doing or wanted to do over in that area. So that was really what that was more than anything else. But anyways, later in 1930s, one of his Ivanov's scientific enemies, Orest Neyman, accused Ivanov of sabotage because some of his artificial insemination farm instruments had apparently malfunctioned. On December 13, 1930, Ivanov was arrested by the secret police and convicted of having created a counter-revolutionary organization among agricultural specialists and banished to Kazakhstan, where he died two years later. His main accuser, Orest Neyman, took over Ivanov's position as head of the laboratory. To me, someone who actually lived in the Soviet Union, this is not at all surprising. 
The Soviet state had no regard for human life or what an individual wants. In the Soviet socialist system, an individual had no rights or freedoms. In fact, under socialism, individuals should not even want freedom. If they do, it is seen as a primitive trait, which must be removed. Soviets viewed their people like farm stock, animals to be bred, corrected and molded into a socialist man. The macabre attempts to crossbreed humans and apes was an attempt to introduce genes to suppress longing for freedom and individuality. Later, they tried a different approach to remove individuals with strong longing for freedom and independence from the population. Remember the 1940 Katyn massacre? After allying with Nazi Germany, invading Poland from the east, joint Nazi and Soviet forces conquered Poland and captured many Polish prisoners. Then the Soviets executed around 22,000 of officers and members of the intelligentsia in order to deprive the Polish nation of leaders to make it easier to rule. In my home country of Lithuania, a similar sad story unraveled. After World War II, Soviets rounded up community leaders, scientists, professionals, civil servants, teachers, farmers, about 130,000, loaded them in cattle carts and put them on a grueling journey to the frozen north. Many died on the trip. Many died upon arrival. Macabre places like the Road of Bones, where between 250,000 and 1 million people died during the construction of bodies buried beneath the actual road, seem completely logical from a Soviet point of view. Rid the population of those individuals who want freedom and build a road while you're at it. There are countless stories like that in all countries that had the tragedy of socialism. Even more disturbingly, these were not accidents but planned outcomes of socialist governments. I would want to put these memories in the horrible section of the photo album of humanity's history and firmly say, never again. But with ideas of socialism on the rise and popular politicians refusing to condemn socialism and the Soviet Union, revisiting the most horrible parts of the 20th century is sorely needed if we are to avoid making the same mistakes again. Here are three things to remember every day. First, for socialists, the rights to life and liberty are not so much inalienable rights as privileges granted and revoked by the government. This is why defending the rights for an individual to think, speak, and act is of utmost importance. Second, defending people's rights to own property is also important. Individuals with homes, businesses, and private sector wages are independent from the government and harder to control. That is why all factories and nearly all houses in the Soviet Union belong to the government, to exert absolute control over people. Third, note how socialists always assault individualism and independence of persons. Even today, they denounce individualism as a relic of the past, a nuisance at best, or a dangerous trait that should be eradicated at worst. In that sense, they are not that much different than the socialists of a hundred years ago who wanted to breed out the desire to own property from human nature. That is why defense of the rights to life, liberty, and property and the pursuit of happiness are the best strategy to maintain proud individualism and avoid being reduced to farm stock. And that's the end of the article. I thought, again, it was a pretty short article, but I thought it was a very, very, very good one. But it, it really does explain what I, I kind of wanted to get across in this entire episode. And that is that the idea and the desire to breed out, to get rid of man's desire for individualism, freedom, liberty, it's, it's nothing new. It's because of the fallen nature of humanity. And as we continue to go farther and farther down this rabbit hole, as we as the world continues to age and humanity exists on the planet lo for longer periods of time, well, frankly, it's it's probably going to the push for this is going to continue. And I don't know how far they'll get. I have my doubts that they'll get really far with it. I have my doubts that they will ever achieve what they really want and and taking out and basically turning humans into robots. I I, I very much doubt it. However, with that said, I, I don't know. 
I don't really know how, how close they'll get. But ladies and gentlemen, this is why, just like Zilvana Salinas basically said in this article, it is incredibly important that we speak out against this kind of stuff. Now, you want to be careful if you're speaking out, right? Because in today's society, with how litigious it is and with how easy it is for the Twitter mob to come after you and, and take out your job and things of that nature, we do need to be careful. Because in the end, we need to protect ourselves and our families. But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, that we still we need to find a way to ultimately attack these ideas, to continue discussing the fallacies and why it's important to protect private property and things of that nature. And the best way we can do that is to take control of the source of our income, to try to control everything that we use in life. And, and not just our income, but everything. We provide everything that we need. We try to become a self-sustaining machine. So if you use the internet, maybe we become so wealthy that we become our own internet service providers. You know, if, if we use our own, if we have our own websites, our own podcasts, whatever, well, maybe we have our own servers to host all that stuff on so no one can take it out. Maybe if we're afraid of the electric company taking stuff, well, then we become an electric company. We buy one. We own it. We control it. Then if whatever is used to produce the electricity, well, then we control that aspect of the business. You know, we try to control, and I don't know, maybe a lot of that stuff is, maybe it's impossible to achieve that level of control. Although I don't think it is. I don't believe that it's impossible. I think it is possible. But it's incredibly hard, and the vast majority of people simply are just not going to be able to do those things. Controlling every aspect of our life? I mean, what are we going to do? You know, control, you know, the food companies that make our food? <laughs> I, 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 Yeah, so frankly, I do believe that there is a limit to this. But the idea is to, we should try to control the bulk of what we can, of our lives and the things that we need so that ultimately nobody can take it away from us. And that only comes from becoming incredibly wealthy, incredibly influential. And that starts with taking control of the source of your income. But eventually that can lead to, you know, who knows, uh, producing your own electricity. You know, I mean, there's solar panels today. They're becoming, they're getting cheaper and cheaper and more efficient as time goes on. There's also fuel cell technology out there. You could do uh, natural gas fuel cells, which basically, you, I mean, in Japan, I don't know for the, for many of you guys who don't know this, but in Japan, they actually, there was a company that was doing this. And there was a company that was doing it in the U.S., but it kind of went under, um, or at least it got, I think it got bought out by someone, or for whatever reason, it got shelved. But basically, there was this idea that we could produce our own electricity. And it's really, really, really cool. And it's viable too. Basically what it is, it's this metal box that sits on the side of your house somewhere. Kind of looks like an AC unit. And for the most part, it is a fuel cell where you effectively put like natural gas in it or something of that nature and it powers your house. How freaking cool is that? Imagine having that combined with solar panels and we wouldn't be dependent on energy companies at all. You know, it actually makes me wonder because there was a, only a few handful of companies that were doing this in the U.S. I think, at least at the time that I was researching it, the company seemed to uh, kind of be shelved. I think someone bought it and shelved it. It, it. At least I think that's what happened. Or for whatever reason, it just didn't go anywhere. It makes you kind of wonder if the reason it didn't go anywhere was because of the big energy-producing corporations that are out there. 
I mean, let's be honest. There's there not a ton of companies that do that. And some of them have a monopoly on certain areas. They're the only electric provider, the electricity provider out there. You know, it's not like there's tons of power plants out there that you could get your electricity from. Yeah, maybe there's some people that manage the electricity and whatnot. But for the most part, in terms of the cable, the, the power cables are the same. You know, in terms of where the energy is coming from, it's coming from the same. Maybe it's managed by different private entities, but I don't know. It's just, there's not a whole lot of options in that, but what if people could be responsible for their own electricity? How cool and freeing of, of an idea is that? I mean, I absolutely love the idea. I think it's something we should all be pursuing, not because of the environmentalist aspect of it, which I'm not an environmentalist. I do believe that climate's change. I don't believe that it's humanity's fault. I believe that climate's change. The world changes. The, the earth goes through heating and cooling cycles. And as the earth ages, those heating and cooling cycles become more severe and more dramatic. You know, the earth does age, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely. But to be completely fair with you, I think it's really cool for us to try to be, you know, the, the idea of having like a fuel cell and then mixed in, and then using that on top of, you know, solar panels. And if you can, if you have enough room for a wind farm, for some wind turbines, for, for the uh, wind power, or even if you're next to a, a creek or something and you own the land and you own the creek and you have some kind of turbine spinning in there with the, with the creek water and whatnot. And there, there you go. You have another form of generating power. I mean, the idea of the fuel cell mixed with the, the solar panels, that is an idea that a lot of homes, at least in America today, could literally start to consider. And it would be just one way of maintaining freedom. See, I'd be more interested in it from a cost perspective. You know, when that technology becomes less expensive, it starts to become more viable. You know, solar panels, I believe, will be cheap enough one day to where it will actually make more sense to to go about doing solar panels than will actually be to uh, to not. And you'll receive a, turn, a return on investment in a reasonable time, maybe within a year or two or something of that nature. Right now, they're so expensive that it would be very difficult to see a return on investment unless, of course, the electric prices are just incredibly high in your area. But anyways, you know, I just if nothing else, I think it's freedom right? It's like owning a house, right? I don't particularly think that owning a house is an investment. Despite what the real estate industry wants you to believe, it's not an investment. It's a liability. You're not making any money off of it. And what little money that you might make when you do sell the home, if you're able to hold it long enough and, and the property appreciates enough, what money that you're going to make, it really, when you factor in, you know, all the cost of maintenance and everything else, the interest that you paid on, the mortgage, when you factor all of that stuff in, to be completely honest with you, it's not really a very good investment if you want to classify it an investment, which I do not. But even though I don't view a house that you live in and that's your primary residence, even though I don't view that as an investment, it is freedom. To some extent, there is the possibility of you paying off that mortgage and you owning the home. Now, granted, I could make the argument, uh, you can make the argument, and many people have, that as long as we're paying property taxes, you don't own the house. Technically, they could put tax liens on your home and they could eventually take your home away. And that is absolutely true. That could absolutely happen. You're really only paying rent to the to the state, to the city, when you've got property taxes. That is absolutely the case. However, you are more free than you are by renting, right? You can do whatever you, at least in terms of, you know, what you can do with your house, you can knock out a wall if you want. You can do a ton of things to a home if you own it. So in my view, what it is a form of, of freedom and freedom is expensive. 
But anyways, that's that, ladies and gentlemen. We need to do the affiliate programs real quick before we go ahead and uh, get into the later half of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a new affiliate program for you. It's absolutely amazing. I just bought the master membership to Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been something I've wanted to do for a very, very long time. I've always wanted to get involved in, in his Liberty Classroom and whatnot. I thought it was a really cool idea. You know, I read a lot of economic books and stuff all the time, but and I read tons of articles, but I really wanted to solidify that education even more so in a, an entire educational course. And Good night of mercy. The amount of courses and the videos that there are to watch, there are tons. It's going to take me a very long time to get through this course. But the courses are amazing. They're absolutely awesome. They're from a libertarian perspective. They're from an Austrian economic perspective. They're absolutely amazing. And to be quite fair with you, we've all sustained wounds and, and injuries from what Tom Woods likes to call educational malpractice, right? But it's true. You know, maybe even if you didn't go to public school like like I did, I didn't go to public school, I was homeschooled, but my parents were public schooled and there were ideas that they had believed in that quite frankly, libertarians, many libertarians would not agree with. But you see, we, we've all have been victims of educational malpractice. And a lot of times when we are confronted by left-leaning people in society, you know, it's difficult to defend those ideas if we don't have a solid, solid foundation. So ladies and gentlemen, you know, my pitch is very simple. I would highly encourage you to go check it out and to go get involved. You don't have to buy the master membership like I did. I just wanted to because quite frankly, I don't like paying monthly fees. And the investment in the master membership was, in my opinion, worth it because I don't like reducing my monthly cash flow. I like to increase my monthly cash flow as much as I possibly can. So I hate reducing that. So for me personally, the master membership actually made sense. But with that said, we need these alternative ideas. We need this education. Otherwise, just like Zovanis Selenis said in the article that we just read, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Ladies and gentlemen, odds are you haven't been taught the right stuff. And I don't think that that was accidental. I think that was on purpose. It was on purpose to keep you uneducated. It was on purpose so you trust our overlords and you don't question. Well, if anything, ladies and gentlemen, 2020 has shown us how important it is to truly understand the world around us and has made it incredibly important for us to get out there and educate ourselves so that we are not at risk of falling to these lies, of, of, of falling to, well, just trust the experts type of thing and, and you know, just shut up. Don't, don't ask questions. And fallen for that kind of garbage. Ladies and gentlemen, we need this education. And if you haven't had it already, I highly encourage you to go check it out. If you're interested in it, look, they're going to teach you all kinds of stuff from Austrian economics to history, you know, Western civilization. They're going to define what Western civilization is. I'm going through that right now. Some of it is stuff I already remember and I already knew, but still, it's it's great to, to have it rehashed. It's great to, to ultimately have it reinforced, but it's amazing how much time and effort went into this. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to watch the whole dang thing. I'm going to consume every bit of it. I think it's valuable. I think it's incredibly important. In order for us to position ourselves for the future, we have to know about the past. We have to learn the mistakes of the past. That's the only way that we can truly ensure that we will be prosperous and, and free. Your, your freedom 
is tied to your wealth. We've said this many, many times, right? But it starts with your knowledge. It starts with your education. That doesn't always mean education about money. It also means education about history, about civics, about government, and then about economics. And a lot of people think, well, Matthew, isn't the study of economics, isn't that the study of money? Well, it's the study of human action. It's the study of praxeology. It's really the study about humans act with regards to what incentives they have. Yeah, yeah, money definitely plays a part in it, but it's really more of a study on how humans act and things of that nature. But ladies and gentlemen, look, I this is an absolutely amazing course. I'm super excited to get involved in it. I've been wanting to do it for years now. It's really, really, really great. So I, if you have been a victim of educational malpractice, and I guarantee you have, then I encourage you to go check out Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, get involved, get a subscription, and start learning. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll put the link in the show notes page so you guys can go check it out, go see what it's all about, go look at the different membership options they got available to you, and, and see if it makes sense for you. If it does, consider getting involved. You'll not only get access to an, a massive, amazing amount of education and knowledge and value, but you'll also be supporting the show as well. All right. And last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, you know, look, we've been talking about inflation a lot. We talk about it all the time on the show and we talk about how it has the ability to erode your savings. We even talk about how inflation, if it was to spike enough and it was to increase at a particular, a, a, a high enough rate, it could even erode away the growth of the stock market and it would collapse the stock market. A lot of people, they're like, oh, well, inflation may not be bad. I got my money in stocks and all that kind of stuff. Well, what if monetary devaluation, what if the rate at which prices rise outpaces even that of the, of the financial markets, outpaces that of the stock market, the bond market? What if it does? Ladies and gentlemen, we need tangible assets that rise with monetary devaluation, that rise with inflation. Now, there are many different assets that we can engage in, that we can go ahead and buy. There's real estate, cryptocurrencies, precious metals. I've talked about this stuff a lot, all the time, right? The fact of the matter is that, you know, real estate's very expensive. You know, it's it's hard for other people to get involved with. You know, cryptocurrencies are complicated. While there are affordable ones, they're complicated, they're difficult. Although I love cryptocurrencies and I'm currently looking at ways in which to get involved in them. And then there's precious metals. And precious metals are simplistic, they're easy to understand, they're not complicated, and they're affordable. At least when, when it comes to silver. So ladies and gentlemen, it's one of my favorite ways of building that hedge against inflation is to buy and own silver and ultimately to build up my insurance policy against it because I believe that it's coming. I genuinely do. I wouldn't even be talking about it if I didn't. I genuinely believe that one day we will see high inflation. I don't think, I don't know if it'll be hyperinflation. I don't think so, but you never really know. I think one day the American dollar will fall out of of love for the world. It will no longer be the, the reserve currency of the world. And I truly believe that we will see high inflation. So the best way to hedge against it is to have assets that rise with inflation. Now, of course, you know, silver and precious metals, they're not a perfect hedge, right? They don't rise at the same rate, but they do rise with inflation. So for me, ladies and gentlemen, it's one of my favorite ways of building that hedge and ultimately protecting the value of my money. So if you guys are interested in that, then go check out Money Metals Exchange. Right now, Money Metals Exchange is running a referral program where if you guys have never bought anything from them, you're a new customer, you go and you buy something from them, you mention my name, you will get a free silver coin 
And ladies and gentlemen, I think that is a beautiful, beautiful program. I absolutely love it. Uh, programs like this are great where you get something for free. I think it's really, really great. So ladies and gentlemen, I think it's absolutely amazing. If you guys are interested in getting started on building that insurance against inflation, if you guys are interested in getting involved in that and building up your silver portfolio and you're a new customer and whatnot, even if you're not a new customer, I would still highly encourage you guys to go check it out. So if you're interested, go check it out and see what you think. But just remember that if you are a new customer and you do decide to make a purchase, make sure to mention my name when you're checking out and we will both get a free silver coin. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, hey, there's a, another thing that I would like. It's not really an affiliate program. It's a, it's a service that I'm thinking about starting, and I really wanted to kind of probe your minds on it and, and see what you guys think, but I'm uh, interested in creating a service where I read articles from the Foundation for Economic Education, the Mises Institute, and the American Institute for Economic Research, and maybe other publications as well. But look, the, the reason I think this is highly valuable is because there's a lot of people out there that highly, highly desire this content. They highly desire to constantly want to read it. But a lot of people don't have the time. But that's because it's in the format of reading, right? Now, if it was in a different format, let's say audio, then they could listen to it on their on their way to work. They could listen to it on their lunch break. I mean, a lot of people just simply do not have time to spend hours reading these articles. And ultimately, you know, I mean, they're going to work. They got a full-time job. They, they come home. They got kids and stuff. So I think there's a lot of people who really want to keep up with this kind of stuff. There's a lot of people who genuinely want to stay informed and be aware of what's really going on in the economy and in politics and stuff like that nature and stuff of that nature, but they just don't have the time. So I thought a service where I come in and I read the top ones, the things that are I think are the most interesting that people get the most value out of, you know, would be a really great service. That way they can listen to it again on their way to work, on their way home from work, on their lunch break, maybe right before going to bed. They could binge listen. It's a lot easier to listen to the stuff than it is to actually read it. And I love reading them. I, I love doing the research. I read them all the time. There's tons of articles that I read that I don't even talk about on the show. I just, I'm constantly reading articles all the flipping time. But ladies and gentlemen, if you guys think that you would be interested in a service like that, it would be paid. It wouldn't be for free. But if you think you'd, you'd, be, you'd get value out of that, then please let me know. Hit me up via Matthew at NewMillenniumWealth.com. I will post the email in the show notes page. And uh, yeah, just email me there and uh, and let me know if you think that you would find value in it. It wouldn't be very expensive. It's not going to be a very expensive subscription program. It's just something that I thought would be really, really great. It would help support the show and you guys could become supporters of the show, but you can also get access to some pretty valuable information that I think a lot of people really, really want to have. So anyways, that said, if you're interested in that, let me know and uh, let's go ahead and get, finish out this episode. So, you know, we talked a lot about you know, how the idea behind wanting to take away humanity's desire for freedom and liberty is nothing new. And then we also, you know, uh, to kind of recap, we also talked about the ideas of controlling our finances, controlling, trying to control as, as much about our lives as we possibly can. And there are many of you out there who are probably thinking, but Matthew, it's completely pointless. You must understand this. There's no way that we're going to be able to win this fight. Even you are a separatist and believe that the inevitable outcome will be that we will have to leave the U.S. And, and you'd be absolutely correct. I do believe that way. But that doesn't mean that I've given up on fighting. It just means that at some point in time, it will be within my self-interest and my family's self-interest to eventually leave to protect me and my family. But I'm still going to create content. 
In fact, in order, if things continue to get as bad as I fear they will, I I may not be able to produce the content as long as I live in the U.S. They'll be able to come after me, stuff of that nature. So if I leave, I'll, I will be reinforcing my ability to produce this information. But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, is that I don't know if we can change culture. I think there is, I think culture the culture is already on a trajectory that we cannot really change. So what's the point in fighting? The point is is to fight for those who are on the fence, to fight for those who haven't made up their mind yet. Ladies and gentlemen, there are millions upon millions of humans out there, millions of Americans, and not even Americans, just millions of people in the world who are on the fence who despite all of the indoctrination they were blessed with the ability and the and the urge to question what they are hearing. And they're not 100% sure. That is our opportunity, ladies and gentlemen. It's not valuable trying to convince people that are unwilling to see it our way, right? It's not valuable to try to convert someone who's unwilling to be converted. So why do we have these conversations? Because not everyone, despite what the media wants you to believe, despite what social media wants you to believe, not everyone is decided. There are millions of people that are on the fence, millions of people who have not made up their mind and are still wondering, questioning, should we really let socialism and communism and this idea of totalitarian control, should we really let these ideas, these progressive, immoral ideas, should we really concede the fight to them? Or should we continue to fight, protect our ability to fight by controlling the source of our income, by possibly moving away if need be? I put it to you. What do you think? In my opinion, we need to become as free as we can so that we can continue to fight and we can continue to convert people to this ideology that we need to protect private property personal freedoms, natural human rights endowed by the creator. These are incredibly important ideas that are very unique to human history. The fact of the matter is that humans have lived through centuries, almost all through human history without these ideas. Maybe they've existed in very, very tiny amounts, you know, at at various different points. But for the most part, I think that they haven't really existed in the way that they exist today. It's a blessing. It's a huge thing. We don't just want to let throw that away. We don't want to let them take it back. No. We need to fight. We need to continue to have these conversations. And we need to continue to promote these ideas. And not just to further our, our, our base of influence, the people that agree with us, not just to, and not just to, to fight for the sake of fighting. And I'm not recommending you guys go out there and start blasting people on social media. <laughs> you know, don't do that. That's, that's very, very ineffective. You're, that's a waste of time. Your time would be better spent taking, you know, uh, working on controlling the source of your income. And, you know, I know I sound like a broken record when I say that, but literally that is what your time is better spent on. You know, doing a podcast, you know, maybe uh, doing a blog, maybe getting a YouTube channel or a Rumble channel or maybe even an Odyssey channel. Odyssey is the video platform for library.tv, LBRY.tv, which is a, a decentralized blockchain video platform that is trying to compete against YouTube. It's actually a pretty good platform for the most part, at least for the, the amount of experience that I've had with it. It looks pretty good. You can also earn cryptocurrencies too. But anyways, that said, 
we need to get out there and we need to get these ideas out there. And, and I th- the, the best way that I can see us doing this is creating content, not arguing and fighting with people on social media who aren't really going to really care. They're going to get off social media. Either they didn't believe you in the first place or, or whatever, but they're going to get off social media. They're just going to forget about it. It's not really an effective way. We need to create content, blogs, podcast episodes, videos on YouTube or, or video platforms. We need to create content, maybe in the form of creating our own courses that teach these concepts. And then we need to spread that content as much as we possibly can. This is how we solidify these ideas. This is how we get these ideas. We create content, we create value for people, and we get it out there. And we try to get it as many people as we can get. And as we become more well-known, we can speak our ideas, we can promote these ideas, and hopefully get a microphone. That's ultimately what you need. You need a microphone like I'm doing right now. The show is in its infancy right now. But so was the Joe so was Joe Rogan's show at one point. Nobody listened to Joe Rogan when he first started out. Or very few people did. But now look at him. He's got millions of millions of listeners. Imagine if he was a full-on libertarian. I, I don't know if he is. I haven't I'll be honest, I haven't really listened to Joe Rogan. But again, imagine if he was Austrian economic libertarian. Imagine if he went out there and ended up spreading those ideas. How many people could he influence, right? I mean, look at Steven Crowder. Steven Crowder, his show, Louder with Crowder, he's very influential. He's got a huge audience. I don't know if it's millions, but he's got a massive audience. Now, he's a bit more on the conservative side, and there might be some the areas where we disagree. But look, I always feel like a bus, right? Everyone's on this bus, okay? And uh, we're on the bus to go to freedom and liberty. Now, let's say you don't want to go as far on the bus as I do. That's fine. As long as we're on the same bus, as long as we're moving towards liberty, and that is the overall idea, that's what we need to do. We don't have to get all upset with each other about the nuances of of our different ideologies and things of that nature. We don't have to do that. But ladies and gentlemen, the way you change people and the way you change a government, the way you change society is you change the culture. So we do that by creating content. We do that by all kinds of different ways. Some people think of meme campaigns, you know, getting some funny memes out there that are very, very true, posting those all over social media. I I don't know how effective those really are for, for creating ideas and whatnot, but getting our ideas out there, creating content, creating videos, creating courses, and, and spreading that message and trying to get as big of an audience as we possibly can to spread these ideas. This is how we fight. And if we don't, we leave the fate of our nation to chance. If we don't, we inevitably, we leave the fate of the world to chance. And that's not something I'm willing to do. I don't know about you, but that's not something I'm willing to do. So that's one of, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, look, I know I, I talk about becoming financially free. I'm on my journey of financial freedom. I want to make money. I'm not doing this for free, right? I'm not doing this, you know, as a charity, but it's far more to it than just money. There's far more to it than that. It's the, the, another reason is to spread these ideas, to spread these ideas of economics, to spread these ideas of, of libertarianism, you know, I mean, to spread these ideas of liberty and freedom, free markets, capitalism, the more and more people we convince 
And the more and more people we convert, the better off we're going to be. The better off the world is going to be. And I I 100% believe that. The less say as fair lifestyle, ladies and gentlemen, it's where it's at. It's where it's always been at. We want freedom, prosperity. We got to continue to do it. So ladies and gentlemen, not only do I encourage you to get started on your own journey to financial freedom, but I also encourage you to get started on this, to create content, to create these ideas. Again, don't get stuck in arguments and argument battles with leftists, family members, friends, people on social media. Don't get stuck doing that. All right. Don't get stuck doing that. That's, that's a waste of your time. Focus on becoming financially free. And in the process of becoming financially free, focus on becoming more and more influential. And then once you have a mic, Start spreading the ideas. Maybe you're not interested in doing a podcast like me. Maybe you're a, maybe you got a pool company. Maybe you got a construction company or a, I don't know, a, maybe you own a store. You know, there's lots of libertarians idea out there that believe in these ideas that have and freedom loving you know, free market type of people that that be, are becoming big influential you know, uh, company owners, their companies are growing, they're getting larger and larger. It's important to have people in society that believe these ideas. Look, if we don't, like I said, then we leave the fate of our country to chance. And frankly, when good people are afraid to take power and, and become influential, then the only ones that will are going to be the worst of society. It's a pretty, it's a pretty powerful quote. I might just actually, I actually kind of like that. I might just go post that all over Twitter and Parler. <laughs> Man, I got to actually remember what I said. But anyway, you get the idea, right? We need to continue to fight. Even if Biden is the one that gets elected, it doesn't matter. In the end, it'll be more of the same. We got to change the culture. And so we need to continue to come in, spread these ideas and ultimately, by doing that, hopefully we will bring as many people to this idea. We will convert as many people as we possibly can. And who knows? Maybe we'll be able to all, you know, immigrate to another country and change that country and that country's culture and maybe make that into a libertarian, uh, you know, paradise. I mean, I, I have my doubts, but, you know, I don't know. You never know. You never know. Right? It doesn't necessarily have to be libertarian, just, you know, free markets, one that that values freedom and liberty and and things of that nature. But the point is, is that we need to, we need to convert as many people as possible. Even if it's inevitable, the direction that our, our country is going, we still need to fight because there are people out there that are on the, that are on the fence and we need to get those people on our side. We need to convert them. The more people we can get on our side, the better off it's going to be. The, the, the more we can affect culture. That's the truth. You want to change politics? You don't change politics via politics. You change politics via culture. So we got to change the culture. We do that by creating content. That's how you do it. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I I definitely did. And uh, yeah, if you did, make sure to like and subscribe and do me a favor and hit that share button no matter where you are, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on Twitter, Parler, wherever you're at, make sure to share this with a friend. Make sure to hit that share button. And if you, re- you want to support the show, uh, head over to iTunes, give, give us a rating and review there. 
It helps our show to become more visible. And if you want to support the show financially, ladies and gentlemen, you can always give a donation. I very much appreciate it. Any amount of money you want to give that, that is on your heart is absolutely appreciated. You know, it gives me the ability to come in here and produce this great content for you guys every single week, but it also gives me the ability to, and it really helps to not only keep the show going, but also to spread this message of freedom, liberty, financial freedom to as many people as as we can get to listen. Austrian economics, right? And I think that's incredibly powerful stuff. And if you do, consider giving a donation, consider spreading the message and spreading the show out there. Consider doing that. It, it would really, really help. So, ladies and gentlemen, with that said, if you will do all that for me, I will see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.